You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Brian McCubbin. Hey, everybody. How you doing this week? Hey, David Hall. Hello, hello. And Greg Hectus. What's up, guys? Hey, Mackenzie Stevens. Hey, how's it going? Welcome back. And special guest, Justin Pearson. Hello. On the show this week, we'll recap an action-packed Coke Series race at the Milwaukee Mile. The iRacing Formula Skip Barber Series is headed down to the wire with a full ride in the real Skip Barber Series on the line. We are getting more peaks at what Season 2 will offer, and we'll look at what is the fastest single lap in the history of iRacing. Yeah, that's right. And you can follow with us in real time on your PC or mobile device as you listen to the show and see for yourself all these great topics we'll be talking about uh, by visiting iRacersLounge.com and selecting show notes. So hop on and let's see you there. All right. Well, let's jump to our special guest, Justin Pearson. Welcome. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me, Mike. Well, let's go back to where we uh, first met. I believe it was in a league race, wasn't it? Uh, you, uh, I, I didn't really realize it, but uh, you raced with us in a league uh, last year, right? Yeah, it was uh, Jeff Marbles, if I got his last name right. It was his league a couple years ago. I, that was when I first got into iRacing for the first time. All right. Well, very good. Um, well, let's go through some uh, questions and get to know you. I mean, you hit me up and wanted to get on the team and we, we graciously uh, said, let's do it. So uh, you've been running with us for a couple races now uh, on Tofosi Racing and uh, it's been fun. Uh, I kind of threw you into the fire with this stuff. So uh, let's get to know you a bit. What is the uh, first time you've ever heard iRacing uh, and what did you do about it? Uh the first time I heard about iRacing was actually during COVID. Um, I was sitting down watching NASCAR when they had those special editions. I think they were running around Bristol. And um, I seen a commercial, and I already had a gaming computer and a VR. Uh, and kind of started from there. Okay. So tell us about your equipment. I mean, what are you running on for wheels and pedals and, and that kind of stuff? Yeah, right now, um, so like I said, that was two years ago. Um, I had a little break, kind of life got in the way then, but I always had in the back of my mind I was coming back to it. So I just a couple months ago, I bought me a TR-160 cockpit with the Henskenveld pedals. I always pronounce that wrong. I'm sorry. Uh, they're the ultimate pluses. Then I got a um, triple monitor set with one on the top, actually and a semi-cube wheelbase, uh, the Pro, the middle one, the one in the middle. Then um, then the Henskeveld uh, shifter also. What about well, your wheel rims? Oh, yeah, the, I got the Fanatec um, NASCAR wheel rim. All right. Well, you're not messing around. I mean, 
you're coming in here buying like top of the line equipment. I mean, the TR160 is like uh, the best track racer cockpit. The Semi Cube Pro, I mean, that's second to none. And then, you know, Heiskenveld Ultimate Plus, like that's the best pedals they have. I mean, you, uh, what was the idea about skipping all the middle stuff and going to the best? Well, I just kind of wanted to do it the right way. Um, kind of rewind two years ago. Uh, I started with that VR, but then I had the, the Logitech pedals with the office chair and I did it the old school way. And, and, um, I always knew I wanted to upgrade and, and I just, I wanted to be one and done, man. All right. And then what third party software are you running? We got you going on TeamSpeak, uh, but what else do you got? Um, I use the smart control for the pedals. Uh, then I use the SemiCube software and um, Race Labs. I just got the subscription, yearly subscription to that. All right, cool. So let's talk about what you're racing. I mean, uh, what were you racing before you joined the team? And now that you're with us, I mean, what is your outlook uh, for the rest of the season here? I'm just kind of, I'm mainly kind of an asphalt oval guy. Um, I'll run trucks, Xfinity cup i really like cup um but yeah i'm really starting to like the nis races you guys are teaching me about them also yeah um i think i think it was either you or mckenzie last night were surprised how many uh people we had in the uh, in the splits i mean we were running 36 37 people it's a whole different race when you have that many yes it is i mean it, it gets pretty intense i like it Okay, what about leagues and hosted and stuff like that? Any you do anything there or special events? I picked up a little league here in the last um, here in the last couple of weeks. I raced a Daytona race actually with them, and that's what kind of got me inspired to hit you guys up on the podcast because that racing was so clean. It was kind of off from the public servers. I really enjoyed it. Okay. Well, Justin Pearson, um, we're happy to have you. It's been fun uh, racing around you recently um, and getting to know you. So, let's spell, uh, I always ask at the end, what is your most memorable iRacing moment so far? Probably, probably my first win with my new rig. I, I kind of got one a week into it, and that's the one I really remember. All right. That's always the one that was going to stick with everybody, I think. Yep, Atlanta. Well, wait till you get a big NIS win this year, and you're going to think twice about what your best moment is, I bet. Hopefully that's true. All right. Well, thanks for uh, joining us on the show, and uh, we're going to be happy to have you on a regular basis, I hope, and uh, we'll see you on the track. Thank you. time to roll off topics but before we get to those let's actually jump in and cover the coke race mike yeah pre-race uh, we heard jimmy mullis uh, reveal he is covid positive but ready to race tonight and so we had a team discussion a little bit about hey uh you catch covid you, you still do your coke race your i race what do you guys think 
It depends how you feel, I guess. I mean, I guess so. You're isolated. You're isolated pretty much. It's not that big a deal. A, a buddy of mine uh, test positive. He didn't even know he had it. So, I mean, the symptoms were so mild. He he just thought he had the sniffles. So, if you're if that's the kind of condition you're in, there's no reason not to race. Yeah, he's point racing too. Also, Ryan Luza tells us about his experience at the Snowball Derby, uh, where he got a last minute call where some sponsorship deal fell to get, uh, came together where he was able to go down there for nine days straight uh, racing. And he told us about, you know, how it was and that kind of thing. It was neat. Uh, Colin Bowden, he, he said um, on the social media, don't have a Milwaukee pick, but we spent the week on a bender at Mardi Gras, not worried about practice because, uh, you know, my mama raised a G, so we'll be fine. So, uh, yeah, he was uh, down for Mardi Gras. He didn't get any practice for the Milwaukee race. Uh, I don't know if that's a good thing. Next, uh, before the race, we realized that there's some new commercials. iRacing has got another title sponsor uh, for this Milwaukee race, D-Box. Um, and then, of course, the guys at iRacing, Adam, uh, uh, those guys, uh, or Drew Adamson, I should say his name is, he got a great intro video right before the, the race uh, put together. I thought that would really hyped me up a little bit. And then finally, one driver did not even show up for the race. Don't know why, but that was Femi Olad. Yeah, um, I'm not sure why Femi didn't show up. I haven't heard anything. Um, and uh, the D-Box sponsorship, that was pretty interesting because I don't remember ever having like a single race sponsorship, you know, like NASCAR has their, uh, you know, beef, it's what's for dinner, 500 or whatever. You know, the D-Box uh, 200 is what they did. I don't think they've ever had a single single um, individual race sponsor like that before. It's pretty cool. Well, the cooperation continues to happen between them and NASCAR. I I watch most. I don't listen. I don't watch most of the races. I usually listen to them and and race myself at the same time. And every time now, they're advertising the Coke race during the NASCAR race on MRN. That's really cool. So uh, so we're at Milwaukee this week. Um, one mile track, flat corners, um, which. Uh, which kind of almost races like a short track when, when those corners are flat like that. But, um, and, uh, it's become being, being that way, you would think there'd be a lot of cautions, but this thing started off pretty clean. Um, we had a, a really, um, good save by Bowden after some contact with, um, with Ryan Luza. Um, and, uh, through 16 laps, Nick Ottinger, who was the pole sitter, he was just, uh, he was taking it to everybody. He stayed in the lead, didn't have any problems. Yeah, absolutely. It was uh, they were minding their P's and Q's at least at the beginning, like it was a, a race to the bottom. But once everybody got there, it was fairly clean. Another amazing save this a little, little bit later was Michael Cozy Jr., who got a boop from Kevin King and took a tour through the grass, but uh, saved it. And then lap twenty-four, Joey Brown was the currently the biggest mover. He was up ten spots so far by lap forty. Uh, Joey Brown still the biggest mover. Um, up to 15th and by lap 44 caution is Colin Bowden as he wrecks from the back. Another case of you pinch, you pay where Colin Bowden has found out across the nose of Michael Cozy Jr. And they all pit the honeycut missed his box. 
Yeah, so uh, first caution didn't come out until lap 44, which is pretty pretty impressive at that point. Um, you know, this was only a 100-lap race. So, I mean, this – I was watching it thinking, man, this might be like a 45-minute race if the way this is going. But uh, but now the cautions finally started coming out around um, lap 40, 44. Um, at the restart on 47, Nick Ottinger and Cody Bias are still in the lead, taking the, taking the uh, field into the turn. But a quick caution, second one comes right out um, on the – on the first uh, lap, uh, Timmy Holmes gets sent off the nose by Tyler Gary with some hard contact. Uh, another quick caution after that. So uh, after a really good start, two quick cautions came out before he even got a lap in. This time, um, uh, Mains dives bombs uh, Bordeaux, which brings out a caution. Um, so the cars are slow to... Um, they're slow. They're slowing down for the caution, but Derek uh, Bordeaux, he does not slow down. He goes after uh, Mains and uh, and uh, tries to give him a little payback. But in the process, he actually side slams Vicente Salas and spins him out under the caution flag uh, before he finally makes his way up to um, – to, to uh, Garrett Maines and gives him his tap. Uh, no, no penalty or anything for that, but uh, there was uh, definitely some payback under caution. Uh, I was disappointed to see, you know, payback under caution. We have live admins in the room and there were no apparent penalty uh, during the race. I mean, you know, it's one thing when you send in a penalty post race and you get to, you know, sit down for a week, but, if there's a live admin in the room, you almost expect them to to handle it on the spot. Uh, I expected a black flag for this guy or, or a drive-through penalty or something, or maybe even just park him for the rest of the race. Uh, what do you guys think about that? I mean, did iRacing do the, the right thing as a sanctioning body, uh, you know, acts as far as this, this goes, you know, I mean, if this happened in real NASCAR, uh, you know, you have a guy driving through the field under caution and trying to wreck somebody. I mean, I, I don't. I think they would do something. Well, one question might be: uh, Is there a precedent set, and do they do anything else as far as live adminning goes? Because um, uh, I, I don't want to spoil something earlier, but you know, that's coming up a little bit later. But do they do any live admining or do they just kind of let iRacing handle everything is, is the first question. Um, but they may just have a precedent where they want to review the stuff afterwards and just go ahead and lay penalties down later. It's kind of up to them. Well, I would expect that they park him for two weeks. So he misses the next race. That's what I would expect. Yeah. Uh, and we'll see. In my opinion, um, I don't think Garrett Maines really did anything wrong. I mean, he he was uh, he would try to get underneath him going into the turn, and um, Bordeaux just cut him down. He he had he was inside of the of Maines and cut down on him, and then he blamed Maines, I guess, for for dive bombing. I guess I don't know, but he had the position. So I mean, I don't even think it was all that much to get upset about, in my opinion. It was pretty cutthroat race. I mean, there's one groove. Yeah. If you're on the outside on a restart, you're toast. You're going to the back if you can't get down. And um, and so you you expect somebody to go inside of you almost because of the nature of this situation. Um, and and you're right. I mean, he, did he really do anything wrong? Not really, but I don't know. Garrett Maine, the way he raced in this race kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Um, he was ultra aggressive, but guess what? 
he's the only one passing cars. Well, he was one of the few, but he made it up to, to finish third at the end of the event, coming from near the back. And so uh, Garrett Maines, uh, it was definitely someone to watch all night. Yeah, if it, Next, in my opinion, yeah. if, if you're going to block, if you're going to block going into the corner like he tried to do, you have to make sure you're clear. Of, you have to block him before you get to the turn and before he gets to your, to your bumper, to your, uh, to your side panel. You can't leave a, a lane, right? You can't leave the lane at all. You got to get that lane closed. Kind of like they were doing at the Coliseum almost. You know how they drive it way down to the inside to try to protect. All right. Restart 45 to go. Nick Ottinger and Jordy Lopez Jr. lead the field into turn one. It was caution. Jimmy Mullis slides 44 to go. And then restart 39 to go. Same guy's lead. And then a new leader, Malik Ray, actually edges Nick Ottinger right before the caution. Nick kind of drove him down to the grass, but Malik had a nose on him and wouldn't give up. And uh, he edged him right when the caution came out for Jimmy Mullis spins after contact with Joey Brown and others in front of him. Now, at this point, I thought we might be watching Fox uh, Sports because there was no replay of the only lead change of the race so far. Like, we're, um, we're halfway through this race and more, and a lead change happens, and there's no replay of it. Sorry, iRacing. I mean, that, I mean you got to fit that in. you got to make that happen. <laughs> Restart 33 to go, Malik Ray and Nick Ottinger lead it. And then caution with 30 to go, Donovan Strauss involved. He got hip check going down the inside by Michael Cozy Jr. Uh, that name we've repeated several times now. Yeah, so uh, now we got 26 to go, and uh, Malik Ray still in front with Nick Ottinger uh, leading the field in the turn one. But on with 25 to go, which is one lap later, there's another crash, uh, and this one's a big one. Duvall went three wide, uh, and Casey Kerwin and Jordy Lopez got together. Garrick Maines plows through, plows through that, and you know, it's just a parking lot this track just turned into. So after a really good start, you can just see here that uh, we're getting caution after caution after caution. Yeah, the way I saw this is, you know, these two guys hit. They're, they're kind of sideways. They're trying to collect it. Maine has nowhere to go, so he just kind of stays in the gas and kind of pushes them through, and and that pushes them right back up into the into traffic, and boom, yeah, big big wreck. Uh, you don't see wrecks this big at a track like this usually, but wow, that was one of them. Now, to what David alluded to before, we had a very unusual call from iRacing up in the uh, tower. They decide under this caution. They're going to change to single file restart. So what do you guys think about this? I mean, is, this rubbed me the wrong way because several people pitted on the previous caution for tires at 25 to go. That's usually a good spot to pit. Now, when you pit, you think, you're, you're, you know, you, there's no reason to think it's a single file restart. You're, you're thinking it's going to be double file you're going to be pretty close to the leader. You're going to have a chance. But with, if it suddenly switches to single file, man, maybe getting tires isn't the right call. I think he, they screwed the people that got tires on the previous caution due to this call. Well, I don't – I mean, from what I heard on the broadcast, they had been warning the field that – uh, we keep this up and we're going to go single file. So it wasn't just sprung out of nowhere. You know, they didn't make, um, they didn't give them a warning as to which one 
which caution would trigger the single file restarts. But but they were kept. They were. were reportedly um, warned a couple of times that, you know, you guys keep crashing like this on the first turn, then we're just going to do single file. And they kept crashing. So, you know, it, in a way, it's it's the drivers that have been causing the problems. I, I didn't have that big a problem with it. You know, I understand what you're saying, Mike, that some of these guys who thought they were going to be a lot closer to the leader are now twice as far back as they would have been if it was a two-wide restart. But, um I was. I, I think the the um, the admins just were just tired of it, and they didn't want this race to turn turn into a, a, a mess that that was embarrassing. Yeah, it was like we we would get a lap, not even a lap, and a, a caution would come out, and then not even a lap, and then three laps, and then a caution. Yeah, you're right. So it was just one after another. Now to David's point, you know, they decided to make this drastic change on the restart. I sh- you know, should they have, par- you know, parked Derek Bardot or maybe put him down a lap, you know, due to the earlier incident? Or what do you think about that? Well, it's showing a little inconsistency, but that may have just been a policy that they already set that they'll they'll always handle that stuff after the fact. Um, but if they're going to live admin cautions in a prof- basically a professional series, just because they're wrecking so much, then why can't they go ahead and park a guy that caused problems like that? I think it would have been appropriate. I I really do. But uh, like I said, we'll see if he misses the next race or not. I would guess he would. I'll be disappointed if he doesn't, to be honest. Uh, now, another key uh, lead change here on the restart with 19 to go. Malik misses a shift, and Mike Conti blasts by and takes the lead on the restart. So yeah, so uh, Connie takes the lead from uh, from Malik Ray. It was really interesting too because right before that restart, they had an in-car uh, live live interview with Malik, and uh, you know he was telling him he didn't like the position he was in. You know, with uh, with Conti behind him, he was afraid he was going to get bumped. But I th- I think his nerves might have got to him, and and he just made a mistake on his shift, and you could hear it in the broadcast, the replay. You know the the and the uh, engine rev up when he tried to shift. So it sounds like he just made a mistake, um, and and that's it's too bad, too bad for Malik. But um, with 16 to go, uh, Nick Ottinger returns uh, the earlier favor to Malik after Malik passed him with a little bump and run. He and but that was to take back the second place, and now he's trying to hunt down uh, Conti. But Conti has uh, like a second lead. Um, and it seemed like he was in pretty comfortable position as the laps were, were kind of winding down. Um, now, Conti also said that uh, he had a, uh, he had um, short run speed. So he was, he was going like a bat out of Hades in the early part of the run, trying to build up as much as lead as he can. So that when he knows he starts slowing down on a longer run, he has a little bit of a cushion, but all that was for naught because with 10 to go, another caution comes out with Vicente Salas uh, spinning out. So we finally got another restart with uh, five to go. Again, Michael Conti with uh, at a short run speed, but has he used up all of his tires uh, trying to get a early, get a big lead? Um, we're not sure, but he lead the turn and lead the field in the turn one on the restart. Got a great start and opened up a little bit of a lead over Nick Ottinger, who was in second. Three to go. Ottinger is still with with Conti within a second within a car length or two. Um, at the same time, uh, to go into, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Garrett Maines makes his way into third ahead of Malik Ray. Uh, so the white flag comes out one lap to go, uh, and um, 
Conti is still in the lead with a short little uh, car, car and a half, uh, car and a half uh, spread. Um, and uh, Ottinger was just doing everything he can to try to try to make up that space, but could not do it. And Michael Conti wins at the Milwaukee Mile. Yeah, lots of uh, mixed emotions here. I mean, when Malik was leading, there was a lot of hope from a lot of fans. I mean, he still has not won in the Coke series. But Malik is, and they pointed this out on the broadcast, he's won everything else. I mean, you see him in B open, B fix, C fix, uh, A open, you name it. Uh, he is out there and he's won it. Uh, and and lots and lots of times. So, um, yeah, I was disappointed to see him uh, mess that up. But again, at the end, to see Nick Ottinger and Mike Conti, some of the best in the business that have been going at it for so long, really, you know, duke this out mono on mono. Uh, it was great. And, you know, Mike Conti in his final year that he's already announced that he's retiring uh, to get the win, you know, the second win into the season, you know, kind of get that behind him. I'm sure that was a pressure point for him to, hey, I want to win in this last season. Now I'm sure he's thinking championship, you know, let's set up for that. Yeah, exactly. You got that pass to the playoffs with the victory. You can start really concentrating there. Yeah, what a cool guy. He's He was calm and collected. Uh, they had a, a video of him and, and Nick, you know, where you can see their faces. And pressure was on, but he didn't make any mistakes. And you can't when you have the, some of the best in the business right behind you. Uh, but well, well done to Mike Conti. Uh, really need to see him win on, in, in his final year. I'm going to interrupt with a little bit of breaking news. I just saw posted uh, that Bordeaux has been suspended for the Atlanta race. Ah, well, there you go. Ten minutes ago, as we speak. As we speak. I think that was well deserved. Yeah, I mean, we got to. I mean, especially in it, like you said, this is a professional series. I mean, we, we're we're treating it as such, and you can't go after somebody under caution, no matter what happened. I mean, that is not the way to race. And so I hope, you know, everyone who listens to this realizes that's not good. That's not good to, in, good to do because look what happens. You get suspended. All right, let's jump into the news. We're going to kick off things with a uh, more build teasers. iRacing has been giving out more teasers and it looks like we've got some more shots of this hatchback looking Clio, right? Renault Clio. And we got a video too, which was uh, pretty cool. I uh, I sent a picture of this to my son because he likes cars like this. Like he bought the Hyundai uh, Veloster, which looks very much like this. It's just a tiny little sedan car. I, in fact, I wonder if they're going to be in the same class. I have no idea. Then we also have a video of what's probably the new late model or super late model that's been being introduced uh, testing at a track yeah dale jr actually tweeted this out first and then iRacing uh put it out but uh, yeah it's just a static view around north wilkesboro of the new uh late model um word is that uh it's going to replace the current one um, completely replace it and it will be free and didn't he say i think he said on his show today this was his car that was scanned it's related to the cars tour i believe yeah, we got a story later where we're going to go over that a bit. Kind of interesting video they did here because uh, the camera is static behind the uh, souvenir tent. 
and uh, and uh, Dale Jr.'s in his pose with uh, Steve Myers. That's Steve, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. And uh, and you just kind of look at the car going around the track from outside of the stands uh, with the tent in the way. So I think that was a little bit of an homage to uh, Dale Jr., you know, being the driving force behind this and and giving uh, um, iRacing a lot of uh, information they need to get these cars on the track. It was pretty, pretty uh, cute. It didn't, didn't really give shot, any information. Right? Yeah. Didn't really give any information. So it just, just had the car doing some, some laps. Um, but but uh, it was definitely a pretty cute little teaser. I liked it. All right. The next one we actually have is a video from Emily Jones questioning whether or not iRacing is still worth it in 2023. What do you think, Brian? Um, so, yeah, Emily's a, a good racer, too, and she's been around for a while. She gives a little bit of history of the background of iRacing, going back to the days in Papyrus and stuff like that, kind of how it was how it started. You know, uh, she she um, she made a note that um, in the early iterations of iRacing, it was kind of designed to be a training tool for real life real life drivers and it's just evolved from there um but um so she made up this video so um and uh what her conclusion was is yeah it's still very you know it's still very uh, relevant and still very popular um she made a note how you know the models the the, the uh, damage models everything from the tire model the track a lot of that stuff has evolved and the code has evolved completely different from its original so you know she made the point that we make a lot is like, you know, this game has been around a while, but it's not the first same game as when it started. So all these, um, all the uh, things that you pay for and uh, the subscriptions and the track fees are, are going to good, good use. And she also mentioned, you know, there's ways to save money on iRacing, you know, by following certain paths, not buying things you're not going to use to keep it more affordable. And really, once you really get into it, I still go right back to that point I always make when somebody's like, don't buy a track. Well, you know, when, when Mike's deciding whether or not he wants to buy a track or not, while he's got a $1,500 wheel sitting on his rim, you know, the amount of money we spend on the software compared to hardware, if we go really deep into it, is is order of some magnitude different. He does a nice example of what a new person might want to, might have to spend if they got involved in iRacing and went down a certain path. So uh, here's how she broke it down. $12 for the rookie content, $60 to get all the Toyota GR86 series tracks, so you could run that series. Um, then $15 for a GT4 car, then another $100 for all the GT4 tracks for that series. And then why not do the $15 GT3 car and then $60 for all the GT3 tracks. So now she has three different series that she can run. She has all the tracks, the cars, and with a 20% discount equals $209. So you don't have to spend a lot to get in, involved and get started. But to David's point, as after you buy all the tracks and you have a lot of them, then the cost goes down per per month you're just paying the the subscription renewal basically um once like once you run a nascar pretty much and you have all the nascar tracks you're not really spending a lot of money you know yeah and there's other ways that iRacing can be used for example um a friend of mine his son is going to be racing um sprint cars this this year this season first time he's ever raced sprint cars he's going to be running the 360s well he he got iRacing uh, early before you know 
and started just tra- using that as a training tool to get to to learn how to drive these um, sprint cars. And the only thing he really bought was you know the sprint cars and and a few of the tracks he wanted to practice on. And he's been doing that ever since. He's just been practicing, practicing, practicing on iRacing. So. Um, I mean, he didn't. He doesn't really run any races or anything. He just uses it as a practice tool. That's it. And so all the cost him was the uh, subscription fee, a couple, you know, a car, you know, the sprint car package, and a couple of tracks. That was it. So, Mackenzie, why don't you pipe in and tell us? I mean, how are you managing buying the content as a new as a newer person? Yeah. So what I what I did is I just buy. Obviously, I buy the cars as I go and want to run the series. Um. So far for the for the NIS series, what I've been doing is just buying like three tracks at a time, like three three weeks ahead, and then when I get to the next set, I buy three uh, three more again. That's pretty much how I've been doing it. So that gets you in the discount range every time if you buy three. Yeah, you need three for the discount. I think it's maybe a ten percent discount or whatever it is. Right. But you realize once you buy these once, like next season, you don't have to buy them again. Yeah, exactly. Also, what about you, you, Justin? I'm sorry. Once you get a certain number of tracks, you are you are automatically discounted on everything. Yeah, Justin. What about your uh, your purchasing habit? Yeah, I'm. Like I said uh, earlier, um, I was pretty invested a couple years ago on the tracks. I had. I ran a full season, so I had a lot of the NASCAR tracks. So now I have so much content bought. I do get that discount. I forget what it is. But I, the, really, the only thing I buy now is sometimes a set or two. All right. This next one we're going to talk about is some series or season two road series updates. And it includes adding the FF1600, uh, which is going to be a, a free series that's going to be. Uh, 30 minutes offset from the Formula V series. That'll allow new members to be able to switch back and forth, I guess, between the two. Um, we're also bringing in the, we've already talked about the Renault Clio Cup. It's joining the, uh, the 10 tops class, actually. So it's going to be in a, I guess, in a multi, I don't know if that's a multi-class or not, but it's it's going to be in there. And it's a, it's a single make series that will have 15 minute races starting every hour. It's also going to be in the production car challenge, replacing the VW Jetta. Well, not the VW. All right, the the, the Lara Formula IR is is that the jet car? Yeah. All right, it's it's series is undergoing a structure revamp for season two, and it's switching to twenty minute races using fixed setups. It the change is also in in concert with some tire and aero updates that's addressing many of the complaints about how the car car handled. So maybe that'll arrive, revive what's probably a dead series. You know, this really caught my attention. You know, I can't run this series because it was open and it was long and I just couldn't compete. But if they switch it up to a short sprint race on fixed setups, hmm, maybe I will run it. And then they're also switching the supercar series back to open while keeping shorter race distances. Jet car, I like it. So we'll see if I'd run that, maybe. Yeah, so uh, is this the first time we heard that the Formula 1600 is going to be a free uh, free car? Because that's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of these low-level cars now um, that have been brought in, but it, it's nice that it's free. Yeah, and um, 
it's so similar looking to the uh, other one, the Formula V, that it seems appropriate to kind of, you know, pair that up where they offset each other. You can skip back and forth between the two. Well, it seems like one of the things that they have been going back and catching catching up and updating as all the rookie cars and that sometimes involves just bringing in a new car instead of like updating the street stock or whatever sometimes it's just okay let's just make a whole new rookie car we're like you like bring in the clio and get rid of the vw right yeah and that's not even on the rookie level that's a that's the second tier of the class d all right brian we've got some skip barber skip barber formula racing to talk about yeah, so uh, last Thursday was the uh, penultimate, the next to last race uh, of the season. Uh, going into it, the point race was super tight. Two-point uh, difference. Diego Pinto had a, a two-point lead over Harley Houghton, who uh, had come into this race. It was held at VR, VIR. And uh, actually, Sebastian Weldon and Michael Romanitis took the feature wins in those races. But uh, really, all the focus was on Pinto and Houghton. To see where they were and uh between the two races the points were added up and uh that two point lead is now a one point lead so there's a one point lead uh, of diego pinto over houghton going into the final race which is actually tonight it's a uh, it starts in a half hour here um so um that's going to be that's the final race uh of the year it's at uh, road america and man, this is going to be exciting because again, this this is for one of the better prizes in all of all of esports—a fully funded Skip Barber ride for the whole season. So, really interested to see who uh, takes the win in this series. Um, again, uh, I think I said last week, but I'm kind of rooting for Pinto because Houghton is actually a real-world driver already. Um, so. I'd rather see somebody get in there who's coming directly from sim racing and not, not with that background. And boy, when you say, you know, Sebastian Weldon, I mean, that's a blast from the past. I mean, I remember this blonde, uh, very blonde child, probably, I don't know, five, six years old when his dad passed away racing. And that was a very bittersweet moment, you know, in the racing community. And uh, it's pretty cool to see him, you know, involved in racing and trying to get uh, the scholarship. All right, let's uh, let's get the the new guys talking a little bit. Mackenzie, where uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about the UTV service that might be coming to iRacing? Yeah, so uh, Steve Myers posted some tweets about uh, iRacing looking to adding UTVs to the server to uh, bolter their dirt road content. So he he's got a tweet here. Uh, it's a picture of him in a a side by side and it's just covered in mud. He uh he said that the only responsible thing to do was to get dirty when he had the chance. So uh he he also says that it qualifies as an eye racing expense. Um then uh someone replied to it on Twitter uh saying that they hope he's serious and uh he says he is and he uh, at Can Am and Pol- Polaris Razor and says who wants in. So uh, I think this would be pretty cool to run in the the Dirt uh, Road series. Uh, I've tried Dirt Road a few times and I'm not very good at it, but I think if they added the the side by sides or the UTVs here, I'd definitely give it a try. It's like a rookie car, right? Like you're new to Dirt Road and you really want to jump in a wing dirt, you know, sprint car. You know, let's. Let's hop in a side-by-side like, you know, a normal person and 
go up and down the hills and jump it and stuff like that. It sounds like a blast driving that thing. Um, I'm all for it. Now, I, I checked the replies to see if Pan Am or Polaris has weighed in offering, hey, let's get involved. I, I don't see the replies, but uh, hopefully Steve will uh, keep chasing it down. And something like this would not be hard to get a hold of and actually scan. And you could just go down to any dealership. Right. Right. I'm sure so they, they would. They'd probably, want to, probably buy one of their own and just scan it and keep it. <laughs> right, Steve. It's a business expense, right? Exactly. You buy it for your family. Uh, they can take it on tour to the different tracks and, and just feature it as, hey, this is the actual car that's in the service. Exactly. So every once in a while, I'll be flipping around on Mav TV and see what's going on, and, and they'll have the trophy trucks on. I'll flip it on. And these things are on more often than the trophy trucks are, and they look so fun to drive. It looks so fun. Um, I mean, they get a lot of air because they're so light and they're pretty quick, and the racing is really good in them. So, yeah, let's bring it. Um, so some of the responses in the thread were like, you know, um, the, the dirt road stuff has been really stale, you know, ever since they brought the trucks in, that was a few years ago. And, uh, you know, they don't, there's not a whole lot of tracks, I guess, to even bring in. So, um, they've, they've added as many as they can, I guess, but, um, this would be a, this would be a new, uh, a new feature on the dirt road and, and a lot of fun, you know, um, might revamp that whole series. I like it. Got to throw this one to you, Mike, because you like to warm up for races with some AI racing. Yeah, and so I found this post on the forums, and this guy put together um, next-gen top split AI setting. And he said, after a few races at certain tracks, I've gotten the settings down to where I think it's top split competitive and very fun. The settings for each track are below. Please keep in mind to add the correct day and time as well. I start in the back of each race is around 30 minutes with no green flag stops, no yellows. I use the fixed set as well for each track. And then he, he tells the date and the time, and then he tells the skill, uh, put it between 120 to 125% for Daytona. California, 63 to 68. Vegas, 68 to 73. So Tuesday night when I ran Vegas, it, I ran my open set, of course. I put the skill between 68 and 73 as he dated. The time was very close. I didn't adjust the time. Um, I started in the middle of the pack, 20 out of 40. I got to the lead, I think, by lap nine. So I think it was a little low for me, um, to be honest. Um, so even though I love the idea of this, being able to plug in a number and just go out and race it, I think it might still be dependent on the person. I think for me, I'm going to have to bump that up a bit. I don't recognize seeing this guy in top split uh, NIS races very much. So I'm wondering if he's thinking more like a open top split. I don't recognize the name. And, you know, we've gotten to where we we all kind of know each other up there. Um, but, yeah, um, if you're if you're getting to the front in a short race, um Top split's a lot tougher than that, and I, I, yeah, they're just they're quicker than that. Not, sorry, Mike, but the, but they are they're quicker than me. Right, and if I'm able to just drive to the front that easily, the setting is too low, you know. And I I I can acknowledge that, and and I'll bump it back up. I I think I had it on a setting much higher, and it was pretty correct for most tracks. So I I haven't really bust with it, but 
I like the idea of somebody dialed it in. Now, if you had somebody, like you said, like a Matt Busa put this list together or, or a, a Mike Conti or somebody who's quick, who's proven, who's top, who is actual top split. Uh, I think this would be a worthy endeavor, you know, cause then you could share it out to folks and it, like me who run these practice races, uh, you know, I, I want to jump in quickly. I don't want to sit and monkey with the settings to figure out which ones, you know, how strong do I make them and all that. I just want to jump in and rate. It's kind of kind of interesting, and I think I think you made some good points, Mike. Um, I think that um, based on what tracks you're good at, these skill levels might not match up really well. Um, so, you know, if, if you're good at short racing, if you're good at Bristol, you know, Bristol is set at 55 to 60 percent. That's probably going to be really slow if you're if you're really good at Bristol. But if you go to a mile and a half and you're not that great, then maybe um, you know the um, the uh, the uh, settings might be a little high. So I still think there's going to be some customization built in just based on your particular skills and what you're good at. Um, but I, in general, I think it's just kind of odd how how this varies so much. Like uh, like he's got Bristol at 55 to 60 percent for skill level, but Kansas is at 103 and 108. So, uh, so it's just, it's just a lot of variation. You would think, you would think the AI, if it was um, more consistent that, um, you know, these numbers would be closer together throughout the entire list of tracks. Now, Mike, when you did the, when you did the AI race, did you give them the same setup you were running? Oh, you can't put a setup in the AI. All you uh, get to pick is this percentage. Well, see, that can make a that can make a big difference too. If you're running an open set versus a fixed set, that's going to definitely skew the percentages. And that's that's exactly right, Dave. Because open set, you're going to be a lot faster, and these these percentages are going to change quite a bit. Yep. Yeah, I'll I'll bump it back up and find some high point where I can just leave it and not fool with it, probably. Yeah, I wonder what how you would have done, Mike, if it was a fix if you used the fixed setup instead of your open set. You know, if if the racing would have been better and you're not blowing to the front like it's nothing. But um, but if you if you want to practice for your NIS, you want to use an open set because that's what you want to be racing in. And interestingly, my Tuesday night race and the same set I ran Wednesday night didn't feel like the same set at all. I mean we get into Wednesday and couldn't drive the dang thing at all. Uh, even though Tuesday night, it felt perfectly fine. So I don't know what I'm feeling uh, when it comes to that. That can sometimes happen um, because of the difference in the condition and, and temperature. Yeah. The, the track conditions, temperature, humidity, all of that can become a factor. You mean you don't change your setup based on conditions, Mike? I, I don't too much unless it's a really drastic change. You know, usually if it runs good for me in the A open, it's probably going to run good for me in the in the NIS unless uh, there's a drastic change. We're talking multiple tens of degrees. Definitely happy to talk this one, uh, that the sunsetting of the member site has been delayed as iRacing continues to work the kinks out of the member UI. How about this, Mike? Wow, they must have heard us. This is great. Uh, Listener uh, Wesley True alerted us 
through the Discord, uh, about an old post about the uh, UI and the website going away uh, that was posted a long time ago. They updated that post and they added the word postponed into the title as well and added a small update about it. So I'll read the update that Alex Gustafson uh, posted from staff. He says, this process has been put on hold. The iRacing Classic member site sunset will occur once the iRacing UI is considered feature complete. A short-term goal we have is also to make portions of the iRacing UI available via a web browser and not require an iRacing client install. For example, features such as create a hosted session, manage a team, manage a league, or view time attack standings will be available from an internet browser. We will have more details on this during week 13. And this is essentially basically what we've been asking for is for that UI to be feature complete. And it and it simply isn't yet. All right. But once I get it where you can do everything that you can do on the website, fine. But it's just not there yet. And and it looks like they've heard that. So this is a something to celebrate, I think. Yeah, I think so. I'm glad uh, they realize that it's not right uh, yet. And uh, yeah, this is good news. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like the rain. They're not going to release it until it's ready to go. I mean, it's obviously released, but they're not going to make it the only way to get on the service unless it's ready to go. And I'm glad they're they're doing that. You know, it's still not going to address the issues like we've talked about before. Like it takes a lot more clicks to get where you want on the UI than it does the member site. But at least they're acknowledging it's not quite ready and not going to put something out that's not ready to go. All right, Justin, this gets to be your first article. Since you've already stepped up to a nice rig, you get to tell us a little bit about Lando, Lando Norris's rig. Yeah, David. Um, it looks like a pro sim rig shows off on Instagram the custom rig they made for F1 driver Lando Norris. And they got this Instagram post where it says Lando Norris new simulator we installed this weekend it is a new custom line we are we are offering every detail of the simulator can be customized to your exact specification lando went to the went for carbon everywhere and a paint to sample two-tone gray and it's a triple monitor setup um looks like a really really nice rim um and yeah it's a it's a hard to see a lot on the with the only four pictures that are on the instagram post but you can tell that there's our hydraulic pedals that he's got on there uh, this third picture um i guess this i don't know if this is some kind of adjustment option or something it, it, it's this neat looking carbon fiber kind of hinge type thing and i'm not sure where that exactly is and what its function is Sorry about that, David. I didn't see those other pictures. I see that he's got a, uh, it looks like a base shaker. Um, are those worth it? Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That That'll be something you'll love. I mean, I, I screwed one of those ba those butt kickers right to the bottom of my chair, and I love it. And the the value for, um, they're not terribly expensive compared to your, like, wheelbases and stuff. So, yeah, huge, huge gain from them. I also notice he doesn't have a clutch. It's just breaking throttle. I was going to say the same thing. Um, I guess he doesn't use his clutch in the cars he's racing in. They're all hand he's clutches. Got paddles. Yeah, they're all hand right. clutches all hand on F1 cars these days. So, 
um, that's all I, I turn my clutch off. And even in the sports cars, I use my hand clutches because, um, that's a a little hack I use in, in the pits with the, with the sports cars, um, which has tempted me to get it for, for get a version of the oval rim that would have these paddles clutches on them is I can set a bite point where I can just floor it and it's got just enough clutch that it doesn't spin out. And I use that to launch out of the pits as well it, it, as you would use it on cold starts in, in uh, you know, F1 style races. Yeah, I really wish I could see what wheel he's running, but it's really hard to tell with the different, <laughs> with the amount of uh, formula wheels that are out there. It's hard to tell. Yeah. And, you know, what's funny is I based the purchase of my formula wheel a lot on Lando Norris was, you know, his first formula wheel, at least for sim racing, was the cube controls. And so that's why I picked cube controls because Lando bought it. But yeah, I, I mean, that's where I first saw it and learned about that company is through Lando. So congratulations to Pro Sim. I mean, it's a big win to, to have a Formula One driver like him uh, use your stuff because you're going to get huge exposure. That's a much greater value than than actuals buying advertisements, isn't it? Exactly. I mean, we're talking about it, aren't we? All right. Next up, Brian, we have a video of somebody trying to set a, a new record. Yeah, so this is a really interesting video. It's it's by on YouTube by DJ EJ uh, is his name, what he goes by. And he posted a video trying to figure out what the fastest single lap in iRacing history is. So um, it was really interesting. He, he went through all the different world records and things. And uh, he, he went to um, – he actually found that uh, not that long ago, one of the 305 sprint cars going around the Chili Bowl set the fastest – uh, lap ever in iRacing for any track car combination, you know. So um, he uh, he was like in the nine point five second range, something like that. Um, and he thought, you know, what what could be the fastest lap of any any car track combination? So he tried a different couple different things. He tried the four tens at the Chili Bowl, since the Chili Bowl's small little quarter mile track. Four tens are all juiced up with plenty of power. Um, and he tried. Um, and he wound up going with the uh, infield track. So there's a small little oval track at Iowa. And he wound up figuring out that the IR01 car was the fastest car to get to turn laps at that track. And uh, he wound up getting into to the 7.6 second range for one single hot lap and, uh, and thinks that's probably the fastest lap as of any car combination, you know, he, he went, he did his work too. He didn't, he threw out all the lap records that were obvious uh, anomalies and, and people having like uh, some weird situation where they went through the start finish line and then looped back around and got a three second lap. That was all discounted. So um, he, he pulled off a, a, a mid seven second lap there and he actually challenged anybody else to post videos to see if they could get one faster. Um, and somebody did and got a little quicker than him on the same track car combo. Now, the title really should be shortest lap, not fastest lap, I think, because, um, you know, you're when you're you're not actually going that fast at a short track like this. Well, know, he's okay. talking about uh, seconds, how many seconds a lap, like which, the shortest timed lap, which is why I said shortest. 
right? Shortest right. is a more specific, is more clear. Than fastest, right. Right. Because, yeah. you know, you're definitely not setting a 220 mile an hour lap like you would be in at Indianapolis in, a, in an Indy car. I love this video. I mean, the way he went tr trying different things, he tried the jet car at Southern National 8.8, .8, the Arca at Iowa Legends 9.6, the uh, 410s at I-55 9.7. He also went searching for who's ran the fastest lap in hosted or league, and he named off some people there with some record laps including a guy named Derek Love. I don't re if, know if you remember, Brian, what Derek Love's uh, record was, but he was the fastest lap ever, but it was hosted, I think. Yeah, I, I can't remember the combination, but it was like it was like Iowa, one of those little infield um, small ovals, Legends ovals so, or whatever they have. So I actually have a follow-up to this video. So after I watched it, and I saw the name, uh, I'm talking about Mr. Derek Love. I'm actually friends with this guy. I run with him in the hosted Chris McGuire rooms on the weekends. And he's quick. And, and he's the guy that I'm always having the beat to win these races. Uh, he's a seven, uh, his I, I rating is 7,350. He's no slouch. And uh, anyway, during the caution uh, in one of the races, I brought up on the radio, hey, Derek Love, I saw this video that claimed you had the fastest lap in history and, and hosted. And he said, yeah, I saw that too. And guess what? Uh, since I saw that video, I took the jet car to Iowa Legends and I beat DJ EJ's time and I put up a 7.3. And so now Derek Love is officially the fastest, uh, or the, I, as David should say, the quick, what do you say, the quickest? The shortest. The shortest lap time in history. Yeah, the shortest lap time in history. Derek Love has it at 7.3. And he also told me that uh, DJ EJ is going to have a follow-up video uh, with this lap. Um, he worked with him on it, and uh, some other guys were trying as well. He said another guy got a 7.4. And what I like about this is sometimes it's not all just about racing. It's about, let's try to do a different thing. Let's try to get a world record. Let's, let's run the fastest time ever. You know, I, I just love, you know, thinking outside of the box and doing the research and figuring out what, what you need to do to beat it. And then he, this guy went out and beat it. Well, it didn't take long for someone to beat him, but uh, it was still cool. All right, I'm going to pick up this next one uh, because it's definitely I guess, I guess I'm poor more of the road guy, especially with Greg not being around that, uh, especially on the sports car side. Um, the suggestion here from a member on the website is, or on the well, yeah, on the forums is introducing an E class. And Michael Berry has made a, pro a proposal for the E series because of, with all the new introductions of cars, especially on the road side, uh, things are a little bit cluttered. Um, and I, he's got a nice spreadsheet laid out that shows an, an E-class ladder. And it does make sense, for for example, on the Road Path 1, which is going to be open-wheel Euro side. It goes from Formula V, then Formula 4, then – no, Formula Ford, then Formula 4, then Formula 3 or Lotus 49, then, then the 3.5 or the Lotus 79, and then the Merc or the IR1. So there's definitely room for the 
for the five classes. I, I think this is a really brilliant idea, actually. Clarify, you're not talking about E for electric. You're talking about license class, like A, B, C, D, E. Correct. Adding adding a fifth class that you have to come up through on the ladder. So you go out a rookie and you would enter E instead of D, right? Yes. I like it. I mean, especially with all the depth of the road cars that have been added recently. There's so many production cars and you know, smaller open wheel now and all these different things. So I like it. I mean, why, why, you know, lump all these things into D, you know, let's break it up a little bit. And then even on the, on the NASCAR ladder, it can go from the rookie car being street stocks and or legends. And then E class would be late model. D class would be Arca, C trucks, B Xfinity and a cup car. And it'd take a little bit longer for those guys who rush into C-Class to get into NIS. Good point. <laughs> I really like that idea. So I mean, everybody needs to jump on the forum and really light this forum topic up and try to get it, get it some popularity and see if it'll get their attention. Because this is, this is a brilliant idea, I think. I think it would, yeah, uh, it would, uh... I think it would clean the racing up a little bit for C-Class because you have that extra license to go through. Maybe. I don't know. I think when you get to the point where I'm at or some of us here or that are all A's, A license, I mean, does this affect us? No. I mean, it wouldn't affect us if they added the E series. I mean, we're probably not going to be running it, but it's cool for the new people. Yeah. Um, and it, especially with fast tracking, it would, it would make everything just take a little bit longer for them to get up there. Um, you're right. Even in NIS, which is C class, I don't think I've ever seen a C class racer when we're doing an oval. I've seen it on the roadside because, well, I've seen rookies on on the roadside now because of the way they change the point system works. When you're uh, when you run a road race, you have you have to have an A oval to qualify for NIS or a C oval to qualify for NIS, but you can be a rookie in road. But your road I rating puts you in your split. Um, so. Yeah, it's a neat idea. We don't really see C-classes. I've seen like a B-class once in an NIS race. But for the most part, it's all A-class anyway. So the people complaining about that are, well, they're probably seeing some of the shenanigans and lower splits. But, you know, the top three splits, you you just, it's all A-class at that point. I'm running it as a C-class, but I'm in a lower split, so. Oh, and it won't take you long to get an A license, um, especially running these longer races if you finish. Um, could you, you know, with the longer races, you get more corner, the CPI, which is corner per incident, you're doing more corners. So as long as you're not wrecking your, your, your safety rating should go right through the roof. Yeah. I'm already eligible to upgrade to a B class once the season ends. So. All right, Justin, you feel like ranting about short tracks? Yeah, I actually familiar with this guy um nick nebon uh posted a video of a rant of the lack of new vehicle content on the short track oval side or and ordered some ideas what could be added uh you guys got any um ideas on it well i think kind of iRacing guys are putting out a new late model Oh, I mean, obviously, that's that's what prompted this video was the announcement of the late model. But I think what Nick Nebon's trying to say is, 
where's the love? I mean, and he goes into it in this, uh, in this video, like he, he goes back into the release notes of all time and he searches like, when's the last time that the sprint car or the silver crown got a tire update? And it was like 84 years ago. No, eight years ago. It was eight years ago. Um, and so he's just saying, look, I, I appreciate the, the late model, but guys, I mean, it's, it's not enough. I mean, we need more in the short track. The other thing he went and did, Justin, is he compared how the iRacing schedule looked like back then compared to how it looks now. Back then, eight, ten years ago, it was very short track heavy, uh, especially on the oval side. Very short track heavy. Well, and now, reason for that. there's not hardly any, you know. Back, the back then was you had to run the short tracks to get your licenses up because you had to run a whole season as a C class or or a D class, and those series ran short tracks, not uh, hop on and run mile and a half all the time. Well, and that's his other point is like the ARCA cars and the late models and stuff. He's saying, look, when we we run these, we should be running on short tracks. But what's happened lately is we're sending them to mile and a halfs. Vegas, Charlotte, Atlanta, you know, places where 10 years ago, these cars would never be on a big track like that. Yeah, some, some a couple, a couple really good points, Mike. So, you know, what's the biggest, uh, what's the biggest complaint in NIS when, uh, when um, short tracks come up? It's, it's, it's half the race's cautions, right? You go to Martinsville, half the race's cautions. And maybe it's because people aren't learning how to short track race. Um, and, uh, you know, when, when they, when they have these ladders set up where you can skip over short track racing really quick or avoid it altogether, that's, that's a skill that gets lost. Yeah. It keeps them more prepared. What do you think about the point of why is it, why are they replacing the late model instead of just making it legacy? Like, why can't we have both? And, and that's something else Nick Nebon points out as he, he shows a list of all the legacy cars. You know, we have the legacy Xfinity cars because we have the new Xfinity, you know, the, and they made different versions of them. The, this late model car is way different than the old one. They're years apart. Why wouldn't it, you know, why do, why can't it be legacy? And so that was another, you know, rant, I guess you would call it. Well, the answer is they they're starting to get away over the last year or two from doing le legacy cars because then they have to continue to update them, and it's becoming too much of a workload as their as the content library has gotten larger and larger and larger. So this is going to continue to happen where they're going to just start letting the older older cars no longer be up to date so that they don't have to spend man hours on it or person hours. Yeah, he gives a big list of all the different short track cars that we don't have in the service that could be added. And there's even a forum post with pictures of all those. I, I couldn't tell you the names of them. I, I'm not familiar, but man, there's a lot of different stuff out there that we really don't have. So I, I kind of agree with Nick to a point. Uh, it would be nice to have some more short track love. Sure, Dale Jr.'s late model is going to be real big, but let's do some more. Let's keep going. His best point really is that that there's a couple of those other short track cars do need some updates. Right, I I love that sprint car, pavement sprint car. 
And if it had a new tire model and some updates, maybe a, you know, a visual update too, I'd, I'd probably want to run it again. I mean, uh, that sounds fun. All right. This one, I don't know if it's going to be implemented iRacing wise, but McKenzie, what about these new NASCAR rules that we've heard about? Yeah, so NASCAR is making some rule changes for road courses and short tracks. So uh, currently they have a four-inch spoiler. They're uh, they're cutting that down to a two-inch spoiler, and then they're removing uh, three diffuser strakes and engine panel strakes. Uh, the changes are expected to lead to a thirty percent reduction in downforce. So this is for road courses and many tracks one mile or less reduction in downforce i love that more horsepower less downforce is always the right answer yeah is a, is a straight the actual blades that are in the diffuser there's yeah. go ahead there's strakes on the the side of the car behind the front tire they're just like little fins that stick out like shark fins yeah so the the, the blades i guess you're calling them right. fins i'm calling them blades right yeah um now I don't know if, if they would do it, have to do it graphically, but they could just tweak a couple of numbers on the, uh, on the iRacing side and cut out the downforce. Please, please, before Phoenix, before Phoenix. So we're in Vegas. When is Phoenix next week? Yep. So, so can we get a release before next week with these changes uh, with the 30% reduction in downforce before Phoenix? Man, I think that would make a great race. And I, man, I really want those. Even if we, like you said, even if we don't get the graphical changes, because you're probably not going to see the strakes, but the spoiler is going to be pretty obvious. But hey, they've done it before where they gave us the arrow changes before the graphical changes. So why not? All right. We always get excited when we get to see uh, our, our real drivers on the service. And it looks like we have another sighting. Brian. Yeah. So this is from uh, Bill Nolan. Nolan Jr., he posted in the iRacing community that he was doing a practice session at Las Vegas. And none other than Ross Chastain jumped in and was in there. Um, he, he posted that, uh, of course, he was the fastest guy by the end of the practice lobby. But it was really cool being on track with him and seeing the lines he was taking at Vegas. So pretty cool um, to see, uh, to see like, real-world drivers. Um, you know, one of the things that uh, you can do is um, you can study them you know, don't necessarily friend request them, but if you study real world drivers, you'll see when they're on the service. And if they're in a practice session, you can jump in the practice session with them. If you do that, please be respectful though. Um, that's the only thing, that's the one thing that's going to keep these things from happening again is, is if you're, you're stalking real world drivers and you get on there and you kind of harass them, they probably have their chats off anyway, but still, um, yeah, pretty cool. And if you want to try to get in a conversation with these guys, wait till after the race. I mean, Dale Jr. is really good about that. Like, he doesn't want to really chat during the race. But if you wait till the checkered flag and try to have a conversation, he'll do it. Pretty cool. All right, Justin, take the next one. Something about a lot of uh, effing cars? Yeah, um, Moonhead tweeted the video of the race at Talladega where at least 30 cars were involved in a massive white flag melee and and it looks like they're all packed up and I, and I haven't watched the video yet maybe you can comment Brian 
Yes, I love these Moonhead announcers. They are the best announcers in all of sim racing because they let the curses fly. And it's so funny. It reminds me of, again, I've, I've talked about this guy before, Bob Mannery. He does like, he's a comedian. He does these, uh, um, he, he does this announcer voice and, and uses a lot of inappropriate language, but it's so funny. Uh, and uh, the, again, this guy's so energetic and he just lets the, lets the curses fly. He's like, that's gotta be 30 blanking cars as, as they're all wrecking. It's so funny. Uh, I just laugh out loud when I watch these replays, check it out. If you get a chance, that's the moonhead, moonhead uh, racing series. And I want announcers like this in my races. He's yeah, got just- so much enthusiasm. When this did, you, wrecks, did you get to watch it? Yeah, when the wreck yeah. starts, there is literally only one car that gets through at first, and then after it all settles down, there are three cars left running to the checkered, and then two of them get involved with each other coming to the end, and the other guy just cruises around them on the outside for the checkered. Called Talladega, huh? Well, everybody knows basically that they can do stupid stuff as soon as they pass the as soon as they get the white flag, then the gloves are off and they're like, "I don't care if I wreck now." Pretty much. Yeah, the announcers are so good; they're so funny. That that was just a mess. Did it make the highlights of the week? No, but uh, we did get a highlight of the week from iRacing, uh, and I, I think. Um, Justin, you told us that you really like the number four. Yeah, it just because I, I I was watching on YouTube. I was sitting in my garage, and I like watching those, you know, ten through one, and and it kind of confused me because I was watching the top plays, and that happened, and I was like, what? And I had to rewind it, and I just had a chuckle. Where? Yeah, so what happened? The guy pulls off to the he pulls it off to the apron uh as the pack is is swarming and he just feels like oh man they're about to wreck and sure enough as soon as he pulls out of the 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 crowd they all pile up in a big steaming mess and he's able to drive right by him it kind of reminds me of that guy kind of reminds me of that guy who did martinsville and pitted on every lap because he knew knew bad stuff was going to happen I really thought I had what's the other one the worst highlights of the week I had I I thought I was watching the best highlights but then that played and then I thought I was watching the worst highlights and I was confused so that's why I was I actually laughed out loud <laughs> Yeah lots of good side by side stuff on the other stuff the typical highlights uh but always fun to watch like you say All right Well, it's week 12, which means week 13 is coming up, and we basically have the Season 2 release announcement, which is going to be on March 7th at 800 Eastern Time or 1300 GMT. Um, The test drive will be available, but it will affect all iRacing.com regions and members will be unable to host or join sessions. Um, They do say that since it's a full release, expect a longer-than-usual downtime. there's also an additional little schedule in here starting at 0200 on the 7th um, Eastern time. They will not allow any sessions to be started that would run into the downtime. So they won't let you buy a hosted session that's going to run later than that or something like that or any endurance type races that would normally be thrown up. Any Anything at that point that would run later than, than 0700 is, or 0800 actually is not going to start. And then uh, 
at 800, the race servers will be unavailable. And if you happen to be in a practice session, it'll just dump you. I was actually in a practice session one morning when we had a snow day and I, I didn't look to see if there was a patch or not. And the server suddenly went down. So it's late in the week of week 12 and we haven't had a lot of teasers. I'm kind of surprised to be honest. I mean, we've had a couple tracks announced. We've had a couple cars announced. I mean, is it hashtag rain? Is it time? Is this it? Are we going to get rain? Is that or it's hashtag they're still working on the rain, so there's not that much other stuff that had they've had the manpower to work on. Yeah, you're probably right. They may they may have a lot of ho- a lot of horsepower, so to speak, dumped into 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 it. So there's not that many other new things, but there will be some surprises. There will be something that comes out that they did not leak. Monza or Monica? I mean, sorry. Something new, yeah. I don't. Forward they, to it. I don't know if they'd be able to keep a lid on that one. They, there, somebody in there would get too excited. I can't think of something that big that's ever been hit, completely hidden. Yeah, we'd have a good teaser by now, right? Well, Brian, uh, you guys like doing the recaps of the race. Have y'all ever thought about looking in, into becoming commentators? Uh, no, but uh, if, if you're interested, Race Spot TV is looking for sim racing commentators and producers to be added to their options of commentators for 2023 and beyond. So, you know, whether you have a lot of experience or not, um, it doesn't matter. You can still apply. Um, if you, So who knows? You could be the next Evan Pasoko. Um, if I did this, I'd want to be like the moon car guy and just curse my curse the whole time. <laughs> Believe it or don't, I used to do uh, announcing on racing, uh, sim racing back in the day when I first got into iRacing. I did quite a bit of it with uh, Rudy over at Max Speed TV and um, Michael da- da- Domingo. No, is that, is that his name? My, um, Michael over at uh, Pro, All Pro Racing. I, I was announcing on his uh, broadcast. And I tell you what, guys, it's a lot of fun. And if you're looking for something a little different but want to be in the scene, this is fun to get involved in uh, talking about racing, which I'm really good at, uh, or getting behind the scenes. Maybe you want to be a producer and run the cameras and, and get involved in that kind of stuff. And this is a great opportunity. Race Spot has been around forever, and they're one of the big ones. All right, I got the next one, David. Uh, several story corrections I want to go over. Can I pick uh, up our the first listeners? One? Yeah, our listeners are keeping us straight. And so, uh, David, tell us about what listener Rick Lockwood told us. Well, the racetrack formerly known at, by us as Therese is is far from a dead track, is what he wanted to point out. And anyone that follows MotoGP will know that the track two weeks ago had the GT and Formula cars with some prototypes for a winter series. There are wreck races over at Porto Mauro and also the Algave area of Portugal, three hours from Jerez. Uh, Jerez is pronounced Jerez, and it's a nice track facilities uh, like Jack Nicholas Golf Course on uh, that is next door. Now, the reason it's pronounced Jerez is it, J's in Spanish are pronounced with a H sound. And if you're European Spanish, they don't say Z. They say, th, they say it more like a th sound. So uh, a, a, a fellow from Mexico would probably say Jerez, but in Spain they call it Jerez, and that's because I lo- watch nerd language stuff that I know that. And then Nikki Bobby listener told us, 
Hey, uh, I was listening to the week uh, to this week's show, and you mentioned Moza does not allow third-party RIMs, but they do. I've been I've seen several videos of people using the other other companies' RIMs. There's a quick release they use. It's an NRG V2 style. There's even videos of people putting their drift car RIMs directly onto a Moza R9. The only thing they don't support is the buttons, though, through the base. So you need to connect the electronics via USB or Bluetooth. I'm planning on going to Moza R9 route and use my Thrustmaster Sparco wheel with an adapter I found on the VRS website. Thanks for correcting me there, Nikki. Uh, Scott Velez also corrected me regarding the Asetek wheel topic and how good it is. A lot of that comes from the fact that Asetek licensed the intellectual property of the SimiCube hardware and software. The Asetek product is literally based on what many called the best FFB wheel available, SimiCube. So while many wheel manufacturers had to create their design and software from scratch, Asetek did the smart thing. Uh, he said trading cash and stock and jump-started their product right onto the top shelf with an IP deal with SimiCube. It's no wonder it's a top-tier wheel. That's really interesting because the Asetek wheelbase kind of came out of nowhere, right? They didn't have any real history with wheelbases. And the next thing you know, they're putting one out that's top, top notch. Yeah. And, and obviously they, they, they bought the, uh, SimiCube, you know, style of software design, but Darren F also pointed out in the, in the discord guys that they still need to source the hardware and, and then base the software around that IP they bought. So it wasn't just buying some code and shipping a wheel. There's a lot more to it. They had to pick the parts and so forth. And then I was wondering how much does SimiQ make every time Asetek sells a base? Um, and so I think that's an unknown. But, well, uh, Scott Velez indicated it was a one-time deal for cash and stock. Yeah, and that's I don't what know I was where you heard that. Yeah, if if it's a tra uh, cash in stock, that was probably just a one-time hit, and they're not making um, money off of each individual unit that's sold. That's an interesting deal. Um, th did they just did SimiCube just need the money to, to get out of a hole? Because um, I don't know, you know, they're they're basically giving a competitor a head start there. Right. I mean, before Ace Attack, I mean, SimiCube pretty much, you know, at the top of the heap. Uh, in a lot of people's list. So now you got a couple choices at the top of the heap, I, in my opinion. So, you know, they just made themselves competition. Is it, was it worth it? Good point. Yeah, it almost seems like a, a franchise type of deal. You know, like when a restaurant has, uh, you know, franchise owners that aren't owners of the actual, of the corporation. Um, although the name is usually the same in that case. Um, but yeah, they still have the stock and stuff. Franchise franchise deals are a, a a time period basis, right? They're a recurring payment. You don't just buy in once and suddenly you get to put a McDonald's up forever. Forever. Yeah, that that is true. And and you do pay royalties on on your sales too. I mean, we've been told by SimiCube that they're going to be giving us some significant software. Uh, for the wheel in the future uh, this year. And I wonder if they're planning, you know, hey, that's really going to differentiate us from Asetek. Pretty cool. Thanks, guys, for correcting us. We don't want to put out bad information. 
but you got to remember we don't spend a lot of time researching this stuff either so i appreciate listeners uh keeping us straight thank you all right let's hit, hit the big one that i kind of alluded to a little bit earlier mckenzie we have the new late model update the late model it's uh based on jr motorsports car late model stock tour entry uh it weighs 3100 pounds uh, it produces more than 400 horsepower and it's a fiberglass body it's uh, designed to take the abuse of wheel-to-wheel short track racing uh dale earnhardt jr iRacing executive director and owner of both jr motorsports and the cars tour was hands-on in the development of the car. He uh, spent hours testing and giving feedback to help tune the car to match its real-world counterpart. Love it, especially after he's been recently in the car. He knows what it feels like. Um, who better to, to test it? Well, this seems almost like the a common sense logical path now that that he's t- has he's tied in close with iRacing and now owns the series. It, it would how would he not? go ahead and move this series into iRacing. Exactly. I mean, I have the car in the shop, bring the boys over, we'll scan it, you know, just like in old days, right? All right. It looks like we've got one kind of events thing to talk about. It's the Creventic Endurance Series. Have you looked this one over, Mike? Yeah. So iRacing has announced the Creventic Endurance Series uh, for events March 11th, May 27th, August 12th, and December 2nd. Uh, Spa, Monza, Barcelona, and VIR. Yeah, it looks like it's going to be 12-hour endurance races at, at these. And um, they're going on the ele- March 11th, May 27th, August 12th, and December 2nd. It, it features the GT3 Cup car. That's the 992. It's a Porsche 911, but it has in parentheses 992. And then there's five GT4 classes and two of the touring cars that's interesting that they don't have the third touring car on there there's no audi oh you can only have so many cars right yeah well we've talked about that several times that every time you introduce some of the upper class cars like for example the 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 new daytona prototypes uh that means they're gonna have to pull a gt3 out podcast housekeeping leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform to make it easier for more listeners to find us mention the show to your fellow drivers so they don't miss out we do appreciate it go tell us what i said wrong in the discord guys (laughs) give us some feedback we love it check the website at iracerslounge.com and don't forget we're in regular rotation at the performance motorsports network all right we got two weeks into the season we have a fantasy update Kick it off, Brian. All right. So uh, they were at Auto Club, obviously, last week. Um, winner of the week was Canadrian. Canadrian. So I guess his name's Adrian, and he's from Canada. That's my guess. Uh, Smiling Ninja, second place. Mason Racing in third. Uh, looks like the top Tafosi uh, finisher was Bobby Jonas, uh, who finished in 10th. And Mike not a bad, not a bad deal for Mike Ellis. Thirteenth place for Mike. I redeemed it, baby. I'm up to twelfth. I was twenty fourth in point last time, and now I'm in twelfth. Not bad. Uh, yeah, I, I know I had a terrible week. Um, I was not able to watch the race. I had a a, a, a funeral thing to go to, so um, I had 
Kyle Larson in there, and then I watched the replay that night, and he was like out after five laps. I was like, oh, I'm done because I couldn't I couldn't change him obviously by then, and then the rest of my drivers for caught up in one of many wrecks that were uh in auto club so uh had a terrible terrible week i think i think if i just flip the coin i'd probably do a lot better than if i actually put some time into picking my drivers but it is what it is well so let's talk how about many people terrible were going to the garage like literally 10 laps into the race <laughs> how about mckenzie stevens i mean uh talking terrible i mean when i look at the points you're dead last yeah, yeah. I, I only joined the fantasy in the second week there, but I oh, had a, okay. I had I had a bad week there. I had a <laughs> I pretty much I think I only had two drivers that didn't get wrecked out. So well, you'll, I had some I, I had some bad picks. You'll you'll fit in right with us because we all stink at this thing. <laughs> uh, Greg has redeemed himself. He was running, I think, dead last, but he's up to a fifty fifth. And Tyler uh, is up to 58th. Uh, and then Tony grows 54th. And then Brian, you're 53rd in points. Yes, I'm terrible. I guess Tom Dryling is, I guess, our highest scoring guy right now. He's sitting ninth in the overall points. Well done. Your top five is Canadian, Mason Racing, Smiling Ninja, Silver Mustang, and Shane 7272. Yep, so get your picks in for uh, Vegas. That should be a fun one. And uh, we'll try to redeem ourselves from terrible, terrible finishes. Metro Ford of Chicago delivers to you. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, we have over 160 vehicles in stock. Living large or strapped for cash? Good credit? No credit? Doesn't matter. It's all good at Metro Ford of Chicago. We offer easy financing and guaranteed credit approval. Visit eMetroFord.com to view our complete inventory and tell them Patrick sent you. Metro Ford of Chicago, serving Chicagoland and beyond for over 35 years. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. Let's talk some hardware software sponsored by Metro Ford Chicago. The first item up for discussion is the new bundle from the Fanatics, the CSLDD. And the question posted on the script is, is it the best deal in sim racing? It's a complete set with the direct drive wheelbase, steering wheel, and pedals. Um, and it's uh, available for pre-order now. They've been out of stock for a long time, guys, uh, at Fanatec and everything. And now is a chance. But uh, you can pre-order this package at 500 euros. And, uh, yeah, you get the wheel, the base, and the pedals. Does that come with the uh, upgrade, the power upgrade? Or is that still the 5 nanometer? I think it's, I think the, it's the lower the one. Okay. Um. The availability date, if you pre-order, is April 10th. I don't know. If you're going to buy, I, I, you know, I, I really think you should look at a bigger base than this one. I really like that Asetek entry-level system that is upgradable. I think that's the sweet spot right now because of the SemiCube IP and all the good reviews on it and because of the price and it, it is upgradable. I, If I was buying, that's what I'd be looking at. Yeah, it does seem like so many with so many of the new options that have come out that are just a little bit above this. It 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 just almost it's it's almost too small. Except you probably still get the same fidelity with a direct drive either way, but um, 
that's still really, really light. I mean, I've, I, I'm kind of like you with my wheel turned up really high. I couldn't imagine uh, running with a wheel that light anymore. Yeah, I kind of think Justin had the right idea, you know, come out of the box swinging, you know, go go get your good stuff right away and don't piecemeal it where you're you're spending a lot of money on stuff that you don't use after a couple of weeks. Now, Mackenzie, what are, what's your base right now? Uh, I just have the Logitech uh, G29. All right. It's a, it's a good base until it wears out. I would, we, we talked about it. I, I think when we had you on as a guest that, you know, what order we think you should upgrade in, but uh, it'll be interesting when you make your choices. We'll, we'll, we'll spend your money for you for sure. We can give you ideas on how to spend that money. All right. This next one is kind of interesting. Um, pneumatic and hydraulic, that's not the same thing. So I'm, am I confused by the title or is somebody actually coming up with a new pneumatic pedal, Brian? I think it's just, um, this was put out by Dan Suzuki, and I think he just got the uh, verbiage wrong. I even think. No, no, no. No, no. Let me interrupt. So okay. these are not hydraulic. These are They're pneumatic. Not. Okay. So, so it's air. air. It, it, it's compressed air is what pneumatic. Okay. I, I stand corrected. Sorry. So that is a d- different air. And it, it, the title on his uh, video is, is actually clever, Hot Air or Genius. So I'm guessing, Mike, you got a chance to get through this? Yeah, Dan Suzuki uh, reviewed these pedals. They've been around a while. Um, we've talked about them before um, many ages ago, but um, they're the SRP GTR. They have a, a signature orange uh, pedal uh, where you, you lay your foot and the rest of it is the normal looking, you know, silver and, and whatnot. But the, the, the brake pedal has got that pneumatic cylinder on it. And it's a compressed air kind of thing where it compresses air to, to get the, uh, you know, how much you're pushing the brake down. What I read in the comments of the video of some of the other, uh, sim racers opinions on it is one guy, which it was, I thought was brilliant. He said, look, I can't see when the pneumatic thing is leaking air comparing it to a hydraulic when a hydraulic leaks, at least, you know, it's leaking. You know, and you know how know to fix you, it. I guess you'll know when your foot goes to the floor and nothing happens. So you'll know that it leaked there. Well, I think the concern is what's the longevity of this? I mean, and what if, what's the repairability or if something goes wrong? Well, air can get out of, out of anything even easier than, than liquid can. Right. Exactly. Um, helium. What Have you ever noticed how a helium balloon will deflate even when you don't un unplug it the helium is just constantly hopping through that that wall of the balloon and eventually it all it all escapes he had a lot of good things to say about it he said it was an amazing finish uh, you know fit and finish there was no play or uh, sway in it at all they were rock solid i mean dan suzuki he tried the active pedal from semi cube you know he's kind of comparing it to that and that kind of thing some of the best pedals out there and and he was very very highly regarding of these pedals and had basically nothing really wrong to say about them yeah the only thing he said that he didn't like was that 
um, these were the black series, so everything is black except for the one hide, uh, with the one um, thing in the back is silver. That's the only thing he said that was wrong about it was that they wished that was in black as well. But um, if you if you watch the very end of the video, Mike, he teased that these might get some kind of haptic um, upgrade availability as well. So that would be really interesting. That would almost require that would require some kind of motor or something, I guess. Obviously, like anything else, but. I wonder how that the pneumatics work and how that's different from just a regular old throttle damper, which is, you know, basically a shock. Pretty cool. You need to check it out. They're, they're running around 10, 30 euros. So a little over a thousand euros, which is equivalent, pretty equivalent in uh, U.S. dollars. So they're not crazy, crazy expensive either. Let's do one more before results. The cube controls wheel is now in a real Mercedes-Benz. Uh, they show on the Instagram their collaboration with Mercedes, uh, showing their new wheel in the AMG GT2. And then Mercedes' uh, website uh, also um, shows um, shows off the wheel as they show off the car, you know, in one of their marketing websites for the new car. Um, pretty cool to see, uh, you know, Cube Controls getting this kind of publicity uh, from a manufacturer like this, and they're actually using their wheel in a real car. Uh, just goes to show the quality of of uh, this Italian wheel from Cube Controls. I I haven't had any problems with mine. I just love it. Yeah, who would have thought years and years ago when I got my first G27 from Logitech that they were going to make sim equipment that could be used in a real car like this? Um, it, it seemed wouldn't even seem possible back then. Here it is, and they're celebrating it too. Warm. All right, let's jump to results. We're going to talk uh, the NASCAR iRacing series at California. Let's finish up Friday open. I got a P6. I got hit a couple times. I had a little bit of damage. Uh, decided to pit. I probably shouldn't have for the damage. I went back as far as 22nd, drove clear up to second, but the leader was eight seconds in front of me. At that point, I couldn't catch a caution. I had driven the tires off and I faded back to P6. Nice run. David, P15. Yeah, I left this race feeling a little upset, but it was just the way the cautions fell. Um, there's the There were cautions that fell in a range where you could take tires on this one stop or 20 laps later there was a or no 10 laps later i think or so there was another stop and it just worked out where the guys that finished in front of me and a few other people had 10 lap fresher tires on a really long run and it um i think i had a top 10 car but just just didn't have the tires with the way the cautions fell right and then donnie spiker p8 he started p7 car felt great and fast along the high line tire wear felt different during this week than it had all week long uh, good run gaining confidence sunday open brian p12 
Yeah, so uh, I think I started like eighth on this one. Um, it was a fun, I had a fun time running the high line at Auto Club. It's not usually my forte. I usually like running bottom lines, but um, the setup was really good on high lines. Um, I wasn't really making any major progress early in the run up high, but at, we had one one really decent long run and uh, man i was just passing cars like crazy towards the end you know i think i think being up high is might have saved my tires if you if you don't overdrive it and uh, man i had a lot of speed towards the middle and end of a longer run um actually uh what, what i would have what i do is like the the guys the rest of the guys seem like you know they started on the bottom and wound up on top as their tires were wearing out i stayed up top at the beginning and then i could run the bottom and i was passing two three cars at a time on a t corner it was awesome i actually made my way up to first place but um after a restart i was still in first and uh i got caught up in an accident that happened like a little bit behind me um, I think it was a little bit my fault just because I didn't do anything wrong, but I need, I think I need to be more aggressive when I'm in the lead than I am. I kind of, I kind of get in the same mindset that I am when I'm starting a little further back and I'm just trying to get into a rhythm. When you're in the, you're in the lead, you guys got to go balls out from the beginning. And I think, uh, you know, because of that, I had cars inside of me and then somebody wrecked and, and took me out, but I didn't get a whole lot of damage. It was all side damage. It wasn't front end nose damage. And I was able to, uh, still keep a decent finish P12. It was a rocket ship in California. Uh, Tony Rochette, P8. Has the in credit scroll on the Auto Club Speedway in Fontana, so does its official racing. Just like a lackluster mid-credit scene in a mediocre Marvel movie, so was my last run at the two-mile track. Had a long 65-lap run at the start where I was hanging in the top five. But caution after caution killed my long run. Uh, greatest, and with a track tighter than I had all week, I wasn't coming or going just like i5 on a friday afternoon david hall p16 yeah had to run top split in this one and um this one played out really weird we had a late caution and i thought we were all kind of in a situation where some of us are saving fuel and some of us weren't but it turns out according to garrett mains the leaders didn't have to save fuel either um I had, was floating around 16th and thought I might have done better when the caution came out because there was a few people that we knew were still going to have to pit, but it didn't fall that way. We ended up having like a five-lap run at the end, but still, it's P16 and top split. I was car 37, so I'm. Um, it's a frustrating start to the season, but again, I'm, I'm running against a lot of fast guys. All right, Tom Dryling, P20, got spun on lap five, got a lot of front end damage and no yellow. Fell about a lap down, was able to work my way from last to 20th during a caution-free race. We'll miss the big track at California, on to Vegas. McKenzie, P23. Yeah, yeah, had a very fast car, it felt great. I was running around 15th, uh, got turned sideways, ended up hitting the, the wall down at the bottom, got four minutes damage. Went two laps down fixing that. I uh, gained one lap back from uh, getting the lucky dog. And I uh, was trying to run my way back up and uh, get that last lap back. I was behind the ninth car, got turned again. So ended up going three laps down and finishing 23rd. But I definitely think I had a top car 10 if I stayed on that lead lap. All right, very good. Sunday fixed. Uh, I got wrecked out on lap nine where the guy in front of me got ran over from behind. He got turned 
came up the track, I T-boned him, 10, uh, 11 minutes damage, and knocked the right front completely off. Justin, I'm not sure, did you run this race? Was this, a, was this the race with you and Donnie? Sunday night? Yeah. Yeah, you got, you, you did pretty good and you got hit late in the race, right? Yeah, um, we had that long run. It was like around 50 laps, right? Before we were about to get needed a, it was the fuel window, I should say. And everybody started pit and I grabbed tires. A couple people stayed out. And me and a guy with fresh tires was coming up on a guy on a lead lap with old tires and we kind of split him. And that car kind of freaked out and kind of went up towards the outside wall. Luckily, I was there, pinched me. Three minutes worth of damage. Um, a lap down 28th and made it all the way back to the lead lap, fixed all my damage and made it to 13th. All right. Yeah, I got to watch you at the end of that race a little bit. Um, if you wouldn't have got hit that in that incident, you probably had a, a top 10 there. Yeah, I like my car. <laughs> All right, let's move on to Vegas. Wednesday open, Tony Rochette, P15, rolled the dice and lost, was super loose in the start of the race, who ended up falling into the back trying to get it adjusted right. Got caught in other people's door banging, got spun and saved it. With my wheel at two o'clock, I ended up going from the back to the top 10 just to get hit and spun again. At the end, just couldn't get around the super aggressive guys making it four wide in the corners. All right, and then Donnie, P17, this race started terribly as the team set was crazy loose. Made some pit stop adjustments that made the car enjoyable, but for two weeks in a row, my wheelbase was failing. With the loose setup, the lack of any force feedback, I have zero faith in entering any corner with confidence. Vegas was one of the, my worst track performances. I am encouraged though by the progress. Uh, my race, I wrecked out. Ouch, I was doing pretty good without the cautions and I short pitted, but then the caution came out. So I had to take a wave around. I was running about 15th to 20th basically, then got a caution and drove it up through there. I was riding, minding my own business on the top and the guy below drifted up into me and took us all out. I can't get a finish, it's crazy. I, uh, uh, McKenzie, let's jump to you, P30. Yeah, my, my car was running really loose. I was I was fighting it around the corners. Um, I, I was running around 20th on a lap 95, but uh, the car went sideways out front. He was up on the top of the track and ended up sliding down and I T-boned him and had eight minutes damage. So I repaired it. I was 10 laps down by the time I finished that and ended up finishing 30th. Right, and then Tyler Williamson, P25, set was extremely loose early on and struggled quite a bit till the first caution around the first green flag stops. That was the only caution for the day and just never felt comfortable with the set, ran the middle lane as I saw others ripping the bottom, just was not happy the entire race. Moving to Thursday open, I picked a different set. <laughs> yeah, because we all struggled on Wednesday, so we tried something different on Thursday. And guess what? I um, started, I took the lead by um, lap 17, um, led the most laps uh, through the beginning part of the race. It stayed green until green flag pit stops. I pitted from the lead on lap 54. I came out of the pit and spun it uh, in uh, one and two 
on the apron coming up through the gears. And what I did is I was going from second to third and like a dumb shit, I somehow dropped it into first and the car swapped in and came back up on the track and the caution came out. And I just screwed myself totally. And now, first of all, how did I switch from, I'm going up through the gears, why did I go down in gear on a sequential? I mean, I feel like a, a total idiot, like a total brain fart. But, uh, you know, I mentioned it in the, in the chat, in the race, and, you know, some of the other guys are like, look, I've done that before too. And so I guess I didn't feel too bad after that, but man, didn't damage the car. I thought I was going to be okay. So then uh, the next run, I drove like hell to get the lucky dog and I got it 12 lap later. Then I ran hard from dead last. I mean, like literally dead last, uh, right up to, um, towards the front before a guy slowed in front of me, causing me to spin out, causing another caution. No damage, restarted P12. The very next restart, I'm headed to the front. I go three wide to the outside. This guy in the middle panics and drives me to the wall. Five minutes damage. I soldier on, staying on the lead lap, but near the end, I get sideswiped again on the high side and hit to the wall and DNF. And so went from like, it was looking like I was gonna win the race to I didn't even finish. But what a rocket ship. I mean, this other set was on fire, man. So I'm really fired up for Friday. Okay, other racing official. I ran the USF 2000 at USA Oval, qualified 10th out of 15. Ran as high as eighth, but fell back to 10th. Uh, there was some late trouble and I ended up climbing up to seventh. Wasn't as fun as it sounds like. Uh, once you get out there, it's really follow the, follow the guy in front of you and hope they make a mistake. Then the week switched. I ran the F2000 at Watkins Glen. Started P6 out of 13, got to P4 by the end of lap one. Had a good battle all the way through the end. I was able to keep a podium finish, P3. All right. Mackenzie, you had the C-class trucks at Auto Club. Yeah, um, I was a I was the number number twenty-two car for that race. I uh, started thirteenth. Uh, I ran a great weight race. Uh, I was up to fifth at one point with about ten to go, but uh, I ra ran out the tires a little too hard and uh, dropped three spots and ended up finishing eighth. So that's a thirty-lap race in the in the trucks, and we ran the whole race with no cautions. Right. And then OBRL Cup, Brian, P15. Yeah, so uh, I had a, a bad qualifying. I think I hit the wall like coming out of four um, on the first lap. So it killed that lap and, you know, I lost all my speed for the second. So started pretty far back, 23. It was another full field for the old bastards, you know, so I think it was 43 cars, another full great field. Um, but uh, everything was going okay early, but on lap eight, um, a car spun out in front of me in some traffic. He went down to the, um, it was on the back stretch. He went down to the uh, infield and uh, came up and just barely clipped my left rear. I got sideways. I wasn't able to, I didn't hit the wall or nothing, um, but it gave me four X and uh, you know, it's a hundred lap race. So I still had 90 some laps to go. And the incident limit is um, 
only seven points. So another another incident, and I'm out of the race. So at that point, you kind of got to be a little extra careful. Um, and I was, and but uh, I thought I had some speed, uh, not maybe not quite enough for the top top ten guys, but. Um, was able to work my way up to a P15 uh, because uh, you know mostly through attrition, uh, cars cars crashing out. Um, wasn't a whole lot of yellows, but there were more, a lot more than you typically see in an OBR race. Um, but um, yeah, it was a it was a, it was fun run. I, I'm gonna miss this track. The setup we used there was really loose, especially on four um, coming out of four. Especially if you're on the bottom after you get a few laps underneath of you, it would get really loose on the exit. So everybody was kind of running up high. Um, maybe a couple guys who were really good be able to keep it on the bottom. But um, real really nice race. Well done. Let's jump to final thoughts then. Brian McCubbin, you're first. Um, so yeah, so. Now that I'm running the OBRL Cup races on Sunday, I get to, you know, we get to go back and list, watch the replays of the race on on the YouTube channel for Team Goon Squad. So Team Goon Squad, Goon Squad does um, the uh, announcing, and they're really good at it because, you know, they have our bios and everything in the league. So all the all the drivers have bios, and you know, not just you know their name and number, but it has a little bit about them. So as they're doing the race, you know, they'll talk about some of the people in the league and, and, you know, what their hobbies are and things like that. It was really cool. Um, so, uh, team good squad does a really good job on the announcement on those OBRL cup races. Uh, and I just wanted to give them a shout out. Good job guys. Right. David Hall, final thoughts. Well, you may have noticed I haven't done anything at Vegas yet. And that's because, uh, I believe on Sunday, my VR finally just kind of went kaput. It was, really just worn and torn. In fact, the top strap had broken. Both of the side straps had broken. I was holding it together with rubber bands <laughs> and I would have to constantly replace, replace the rubber bands as they would snap. And then finally, it, I, it, it, I dropped it off my desk at one point and it started blacking out in the middle of races and then finally stopped coming on at all. So went online, found a nice uh, refurb price because I didn't want to go ahead and buy a new one yet, and I didn't want to upgrade to something really expensive. So I snagged a a, 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 a re refurbed HP Reverb, and it came in today, and I had just enough time before the show to plug it in and make sure it would turn on, and it did. So when you find out later why the show dropped a little bit later than usual, it's because I'm going to go run a, a race first. I get that fixed. All right. Well done. Getting those uh, goggles replaced quickly. Greg Hectus, final thoughts. Um, just, just looking forward to uh, racing one more time on Friday night here at Vegas. Um, was a little too loose last night uh, with the set. Um, it got better over the race when the track rubbered in. Um, I just kind of... On a, a green white checker was in the wrong lane on the restart and it kind of screwed up my race but the rest of it was uh, a decent race it was enough to learn from um, i didn't do any a opens this week to learn anything beforehand so i was kind of going blind in it so i feel uh, a little bit silly but i've been a little bit busy this week so um now that we got a little bit more information on friday night i hope i can uh, place a little bit better but uh yeah i look forward to doing that and uh, uh maybe i'll do some more racing this weekend i'm not sure all right, very good. Uh, Mackenzie Stevens, final thoughts. Yeah, so uh, I'm 
I'm looking forward. I think I'm pretty sure I'm going to run another NIS on a Friday, maybe try to run on Sunday again too. Uh, hopefully I can tighten up the car for, for the next race and run a little better. Uh, I'll probably run a, another one or two truck races, try it out at, a at this track and yeah, hopefully I get some better finishes than I have been. Yeah. You'll get, you'll get it done. Um, Got to tighten that, tighten that baby up. All right. And then, uh, finally special guest, Justin Pearson. Uh, thanks for joining the team and talking with us today and, and, um, and joining the show, man, we're happy to have another voice. I appreciate it, Mike. Yeah. I, it's been a blast. Um, you guys have been well welcoming. Um, and yeah, I've been having fun. I'm glad to learn with you guys. I've already learned a ton. But yeah, I'm planning on doing a couple NIRS races and hopefully work on my um, IR rating because Auto Club wasn't nice to me. I lost a couple hundred. So, right. And my final thoughts is, man, I've lost a bunch of I rating. I'm kind of embarrassed by what my I rating is right now. But boy, after the way I ran today, all that embarrassment goes out the window. I was the fastest car on track, even on a long run where we ran the tires off and and guess what i didn't even run the tires off these guys were calling percentages out that were much lower than mine were after that long run um, i drove to the lead i kept it i pitted from the lead and to screw it up coming off pit road and spinning out by changing into the wrong gear i just feel like a fool but you know i i told my roommate here you know after the race i was like you know what if if it was easy i wouldn't do it you know that these things are hard to win and that's why i do this you know three four times a week to see if i can do it and uh boy it just feels good to be in contention again so can't wait for friday and let's go get it let's get that win and with that hey we'll see you on the track later Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.